God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Kravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So it's good. always good to have you here. Uh, so we're going to be trying to get you in on Fridays, right? Yeah, most Fridays will work Because you have out. such a busy schedule in the district. Right. Or actually... Now it's uh, Alexandria. A little more in Alexandria, yeah. but sometimes the district, so yeah, we're um, yeah. busy, so happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things we want to talk about, but before I do, uh, we're going to open our phones today, and I have no idea how that's going to work out. All right. So, uh, so the new system doesn't have the software that we like, um, but uh, it should work, so we'll see what happens. If you want to call in, say hello to Leonora. Uh, the number is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. And if you go to scottadamshow.com or redstatetalkradio.com, the number's up at the top. And also, I just want to say that our new um, our uh, YouTube channel is working just great. And one of the th- features that was brought to my attention <clears throat> is that I didn't really think about when I was uh, putting this up. But it turns out that when you uh, watch the live stream over at YouTube for uh, Red State Talk Radio, basically what happens is you have this um, you have this ability to pause and rewind. Mm-hmm. So if you came into the Scott Adams show late, you could rewind and get to the beginning. You so you don't go, miss a minute. You could even go back and get... You know, two hours before me and get the shows that were pre- previous to the Scott Adams show. So it's absolutely kind of a cool feature. Um, I use it on my TV. And not only that, but the uh, Red State Talk Radio YouTube live stream, it's, to me, it reminds me of a lava lamp. And people don't know, uh, because they don't you know, know me personally, but 
I happen to love lava lamps. You love lava lamps. I love neon lights, and I love lava lamps. And so it's it's one of those things I've always gravitated toward. That kind of glow, you yeah. know, calming. Yeah. It's like my, my own Do you really meditation. like neon, or do you like something that's a little more subtle? I don't think neon, you like glaring neon lights. Neon signs. Yeah. You know, the old-fashioned kind of The old-fashioned, but not the ones like uh, not the ones that are, like, uh, you know, it's so in your face. No, the ones, like, on a, you know... Yeah, like uh, like um, our studio clock is something you would like. Yes, that's why yeah. I put it there. Right, <laughs> but that's an example of something you like. Yeah. But of course, nobody but me can see it. So, so it seems like our Supreme Court justice is getting more and more liberal, despite the fact that we have what four conservatives. Let's see, so we, the, six. The, the, well, let, well, let's just count them. So we got Kavanaugh, we have Gorsuch, we have t- my favorite Clarence Thomas, and Alito. Those are the four conservatives. See, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Okay, so Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett were the ones that Trump installed. Then you got Clarence Thomas and Alito. Yeah. That's five. You're, you're, who you then missed? you're supposed to have ju- uh, Chief Justice Roberts, Roberts is, was, was put there, but I don't consider him a conservative anymore. Well, he really, way back when, was supposed to be a conservative. Now, the liberals, that's going to be Breyer. Uh, and then Kagan and, and Sotomayor. Exactly. So yesterday there were a couple of big rulings that came down, and one of them was had to do with the Affordable Care Act. So apparently efforts to unwind the Affordable Care Act failed. And in, and the number and the statistics on this are interesting when you look at the votes. Seven members of the Supreme Court voted to uphold the Affordable Care Act, and two members voted to take it, you know, get rid of it. And the two that voted to get rid of it were um, Alito and Gorsuch. So this is interesting because this is indicative of a pattern we're starting to see with other cases where there is a schism developing among the six conservatives where some scholars have referred to this as being a 3-3-3 court. So you basically have your three liberals and then you break your six so, okay, so, so let's just let okay. So yeah, let me let me finish my so point. The three you, liberals are who? They're the f- three liberals to reiterate are Stephen are Stephen Breyer, who there was a lot of talk that pe- that people that Breyer should step down from the Democrats' perspective because that will give, he's getting older because he's getting older, and that will also give Biden an opportunity to put to ensure that he gets a liberal in his a place, a young liberal, and a young yeah. liberal who'll be on there for you know a lifetime, as they say. So Stephen Breyer. Then you also have uh, Sonia Sotomayor, and then you have Elena Kagan. And Elena Kagan is only in her early uh, 60s, just about 60, 61. So Elena Kagan is still pretty young. And then on the conservative side, you now have you have the six conservatives. Now you have the three that are considered the most conservative at this point, which is interesting, which are Clarence Thomas, your favorite, um, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch. But then you have on the other the the other side of the conservatives is you have um, Amy Coney Barrett and you have Brett Kavanaugh, 
which this is a, you know, in both of these cases, these two Trump appointees, this is a bit of a surprise that they're voting a little bit more liberal on some issues. And of course, as we've already said, they're then joined by John Roberts, who was originally put in as a conservative um, by, or, you know, by uh, George W. Bush. But over the course of time, after Sandra Day O'Connor and uh, was no longer on the court and Kennedy was no longer on the court, and they sort of played the swing roles. He kind of emerged almost into a swing role, but now I'd say he's not even really a swing role. He's almost moving further to the left. A so rubber stamp for the left. Yeah, so it's 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 an interesting situation, and people are watching this closely because, you know, again, critics of President Trump will say, okay, well, he put, you know, they're saying this um, out of both sides of their mouth because um, because on one hand, very, the critics of Trump were very unhappy that he had the opportunity to put three Supreme Court justices on the court during his uh, term as president. But when they're seeing two out of the three not voting as conservatively as one might have thought based on the way they presented themselves and their, and their past opinions um, when they were not they were judges on a lower court, that you basically uh, – you know, are, are, they're, they're happy about this. They're happy to say that Amy Coney Barrett isn't voting the way Trump thought she would. So, again, it's interesting to watch and see what ha- what happens with these developments. And then there was a second case. Yes. About Christian, Fulton, yeah. Uh, Fulton, Fulton yeah, County ahead. versus Philadelphia. And basically, in short, this case had to do with a Philadelphia-based um, agency that, you know, a foster care agency um, that places children. And this was actually a victory, a unanimous victory for religious freedom, because all nine justices upheld the right of the agency to place children that they, they, they could put place children in religious homes that they didn't have to that this agency could exist, because this agency didn't necessarily hit the litmus test of Every so you know every uh, as you would say progressive issue. So this so gave the, uh, was seven to the two whole no that? no it was seven to two um, again um, to, to uphold Obamacare. So you had two you had two uh, right. conservatives not voting for. Uh, not vote, uh, voting against it, Gorsuch and Alito, but with the other case, all nine justices voted that this agency had a right to put children, um, you know, that that this agency had a right to put religious children with religious families, and they didn't they didn't have they had to. the right to place the children wherever right. they like wherever they like. And I don't think it had to do so much with um, a. There wasn't a rebuke of LGBTQ, for example. It was more uh, of a First Amendment situation. It was a First Amendment free speech. Right. Uh, they have, they're a private organization. Station. They should be able to place the children no matter right. where they are, right? Right, exactly. Okay, so that was the issue there. Yeah. So nine zero. Yeah, yeah, because the reason why they were trying to the reason why they were trying to not allow the, uh, this agency to this foster this foster care agency to exist is because they didn't want to uh, certify same sex couples as foster parents. And, and and again, similar to what we've seen with the Hobby Lobby cases and other cases, you know, an agency has a right to um, exist according to a private agency, their own religious beliefs. All right. So, uh, you know, some job numbers came out and uh, the jobless claims, uh, the jobless claims came out much higher than expected. <clears throat> so... 
U.S. weekly jobless claims surprisingly rose to 412,000 versus 360,000 estimated. Okay, so that's the wrong way to go. I mean, that is another terrible number. Not only do we have biflation, we have inflation, but we have biflation too, where the Biden administration is targeting uh, those industries that are impacted by uh, or that are going up against the green mm-hmm. initiatives, just like the cyber hackers are going against uh, beef and oil uh, to ra- raise prices on beef and oil to make it cost prohibitive to lower consumption. But also at the same time, they're doing that. The, the, the cyber hackers, I think, are being paid off by green uh, initiatives. I think that the money has gone militant. You know, I think that, you know, back in the days of Greenpeace stopping a lumberjack to protect the spotted owl or stopping a fisherman to protect the whale, that's a, we're a long way past that. And now what we have is basically if you want to control a population, so sorry about that. Well, if you want to try, uh, attack a popular, control a population, move it around, or if you want to, you know, really put out there a death panel, you come up with a COVID bioweapon. If you want to curb your population like Bill Gates does, I mean, Bill Gates, you know, wanted to control the population with his windows. He wanted to kill people off. Uh, in my opinion, this is my opinion, and this is an opinion show. But I can make the argument that Beyond Beef or or 100% synthetic beef, where Bill Gates wants everybody 100% consumption of synthetic beef. I think, you know, when you hear that the formaldehydes are in the beef, I think it's a, it's a way to curb curb uh, population control and reduce populations. The only way you could reduce populations is by killing it off. And I only say that because I got the quote and played it on tape for our entire audience to hear. Right? And I played it several times. For crying out loud, it was in a TED presentation where he said the projected population growth is going to hit 9 billion. We'd like to see that more like at 6.5. The way you do that is abortions. He used the word reproductive services. But he's a big investor in Planned Parenthood. So guess what? His return on investment for killing babies and selling body parts and using their body organs as genetic um, improvements toward health care uh, his whole investment there is going to pay off. So he used reproduction services, uh, abortions. And he's heavily invested in Planned Parenthood. And then he also was involved with uh, hot, hot, um, socialized medicine. So he, he talks about health care. Well, health care is what? That's like the Affordable Care Act, right, yeah. that we just talked about, Leonor. Right. Yeah. And health care is what? I think health care, when you're talking about it in the context of population reduction, you got to be talking about death panels. And death panels is just, you know, 
it's a it's a slang word. It's a pejorative word. Yeah. For limits on how much you're going to spend on a lost cause or somebody who's dying of cancer and they're over 80 years old um, and there's no cure, there's no, you know, they might be able to be left on a, a ventilator or a life, life machine for six months at the expense of a million dollars. So, you know, with all that treatment and stuff. Or you say, cut your losses. Well, they're in the business of cutting the losses. Italy had one of the most elderly populations, and their elderly was decimated by COVID. So the bioweapon COVID that came out of Wuhan, China, I think may have been in some way endorsed by the globalist deep state. Because at the same time, at the same time that we learned about um, about this COVID, it was in December. It turns out that this virus actually hit. Now we know that it hit for the first time in December. Yeah. And it was in November, December that they had that uh, big summit meeting that was financed by Bill Gates. It was almost like a uh, war games a dress rehearsal. And then we start to see these receipts about all these testing units that were purchased in 2017, 2019. And you got to say, then you hear Fauci saying, there's definitely going to be a surprise pandemic. You know, words and things that they've never done before. And you just got to ask, you know, something's going on here. We, you know, we know more. And so, you know, what when it was all said and uh, said and done? Guess who got hit the worst? By the way, in terms of finance, the, the middle class got crushed by this COVID. It's getting crushed by the higher prices of beef. It's getting crushed by the oil, and I believe that the Democrats have given up on arguing their points and realize that they can get further advancements through rigged elections. Bioweapon terrorism and hacker cyber hacker terrorism. And that's how they're doing it. They're not doing it by, you know, waving a flag and putting a boat out in front of a fisherman's vessel or trying to block the, the lumberjack's truck to save the spotted owl. They're not that's not their and they're not depending with climate change, they're not depending on the ninety seven percent of the scientists BS. That doesn't work. That's old news, that's old data. It's over 15 years old. They've been using that same argument. Now they've gone completely with cyber attackers attacking the top of the hit list for the Green New Deal that would make Ocasio-Cortez proud. And that's how they're achieving their objective. At the same time, they're, you got Joe Biden riding in some electric truck and you got um, Bill Gates pushing out 100% synthetic beef where he wants the world to adopt. He wants the world to take the vaccine. Oh, and by the way, in that TED speech, it was reproductive services, it was health care, you know, basically death panels and abortions. But he also used the word vaccines. I, I left the uh, elephant in the room out there. Yeah, you forgot <laughs> about the elephant in the room. So the vaccines. 
And you have all this push. And last time I saw it, you know, last time I checked when someone's selling something, like where it feels like it's a square peg in a round hole, you got to you gotta be like, whoa, what's going on? And why they're forcing you to do it, it reminds me of Hitler in the concentration camps. But we just recently looked that up. Yeah. And I guess nobody can really compete with Hitler when it no. came to killing people. Uh, I think uh, yeah, I think that's a very trivial way of saying it. But well, millions, no, because I'm millions. talking about what was Hitler but a socialist. Yeah. Well, what was Hitler but a uh, probably a predecessor to the today's globalists? No, Hitler was a d- deeply disturbed person on no, so many levels. No, 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 but levels. what I'm saying is his mindset was socialist nationalist. Yes. And what I'm saying is the globalists of today... They don't care how many people they kill to advance their agenda, just like Hitler. I'm just saying they haven't killed as many as Hitler just yet, but give them a chance. That's what we have to worry about. That's our fight. That's our, that is our enemy. So how many people did he kill? We looked that up recently. It, it was millions of people. 13 million, something like that. It yeah. was a huge number. But, you know, um, and it's, it's also a violation of our rights it's it's you know there's a west there's a story out right now about what a west point cadet who's getting thrown out of the west point uh because he refused to take the a black guy refused to take uh a vaccine yeah and somehow that was going to compete with his leave time and it got all kind of uh confused cuz they didn't think these things through but you know in a day where Bill Maher comes out and says, I took the vaccine and I still tested positive for COVID, you got to ask the question, why would I take the vaccine if it doesn't work? You still could test positive for COVID. And frankly, you know, people who are traveling all over the world, they have a vaccine, they, they've all been vaccinated. And what? What happens at the end of the day? They still have to get COVID tested. Yeah. And from what I hear, some of these, these swabs that, that test you, actually have fertile uh, um, fertility. Uh, there's a video going around with a registered nurse where these are the, there are these Mexican swabs. I'm not sorry, Chinese swabs. I'm sorry, Chinese swabs. Chinese swabs, and they're, they're laced with this ingredient that impacts your fertility. Now, I don't know. You know, that, that was, uh, it seemed very legit to me when I saw it. My legit meter went way up, and so you gotta you gotta ask the question: What are they up to, and why are they forcing this so hard? Because last I checked, Florida isn't doing that, and Florida's doing great. Florida is opening <laughs> up, and Florida has uh, cases going down. And again, you know, when we look at the states that had the less draconian measures, yeah, there might have been an initial spike in the very beginning. But the long-term results have been very good. Right. But here's an interesting thing. With Florida, uh, we just saw on Fox and Friends today, right, uh, this robot. 
Yeah. Oh, and the restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. There was. A, I think the restaurant was called Sergio's or something. But the the, the, the what they were doing because they couldn't hire people. They felt, why could they hire people? The jobless claims just went up. Well, I just read thank, the report. I'll tell you why they can't hire people. People are getting paid more to stay home proportionately than to than well, to go to work. Well, so in Florida, you, they had this three hundred dollars a week kind of thing going. Well, that on. was going on in a lot of states. That was in supplemental. That, exactly. But but some states are or it's ending or expiring in some places and some places are eliminate some states are eliminating it right now. And it's weird too because like we got this letter from the Washington uh, from the White House and uh, said something about money and uh, we never got a check. <laughs> of course, we're not I, on, we're not getting these checks. Yeah, I know. Well, there there's all types of things going on. But what was interesting about the story you were telling was. Because the the service staff was so burnt out, that owner came up with a solution. He said, let's supplement our service staff with robots. So in other words, instead of the server having to run back and forth to the kitchen, the robot would be programmed to go to specific tables with the food. I mean, yeah, you still, I mean, had, a a live gadget, ser- but, you you still had a live server. So, so my takeaway from that story was twofold. One was... Like I had said, uh, the government is controlling and they're conditioning the American population. When they give money out, they can control your desire to work. And if they give you money, your desire to stay home, or your incentive to stay home and not work is greater than if they don't give you money and you're starving. So what they're doing is they're controlling the workflow. They're controlling and that dictates the minimum wage because... So they can't pass their minimum wage laws blanket across the country. So what they're doing is they're getting minimum wages to go up by controlling the workflow and what's available in the workforce. And by giving you money, they're making each employee more valuable. They're almost, it's almost become necessary to sign a signing bonus for like, uh, you know, a junior middle management staff. And so it's it's kind of this, this thing where to get you out of the house, the person's got to get paid more. So a waiter, for example, they're not going to get paid that much because the cost of doing business it's can't hand the restaurant can't afford it, obviously. So now what's happening? Another blow to the middle class. These service jobs are now being automated by robots. As we knew, fast food was going to go to kiosks and, you know, do away with these, uh, you know, introductory jobs. And so it's a sad situation where, you know, where you have climate change regulations uh, raising the prices of beef and gas. Uh, Regulations cost more money on everything, including the the delivery of products. Uh, So the prices of middle class goods generally products because the super rich don't care they're going to buy the million 1.2 million dollar boat and they don't really care but it's the middle class that uh is living on the margins with inflation their dollar is valued less so their salary even though it stays the same is worth less in the marketplace because everything's more expensive so when they go to feed their families they're going to maybe need to depend on the government dull before it's all said and done. Or if their job goes overseas because somehow these corporate taxes are cost prohibitive, 
the corporate CEOs need to have a fiduciary duty to maximize profits. They send their headquarters overseas. Next thing you know, middle class is out of a job. Or we grant license to a, a, a pipeline going from Russia to Germany, but we uh, nix completely annex the deal with Keystone. And for what? Why is that? Because there's nothing wrong with a pipeline. It's the cleanest, quickest, most efficient way to transport oil through a pipeline. Everybody knows it. They do it with water. They do it with all kinds of stuff. But somehow, Biden on day one wanted to decimate thousands of jobs. And it affected the middle class. COVID took more middle class jobs because the super elite, they could telecommute. Or they're not working. Or they're they're working in the stock market. It's all virtual. They don't need to be, they're not, they're not there, you know, crawling under someone's sink to fix their plumbing. Or they're not there to hammer a nail and build a structure where you have to actually be there. Or, they're, or they weren't there at a restaurant that was closed or a, or a, yeah. uh, a store that was closed. No, they have their own private butler. Yeah. And they don't wear masks with their private butler. But, you know, the idea is... And the poorest of the poor can't afford to go out. So it's the middle class that's being directly impacted by not only their social life, not only can they not go to the bar and blow off some steam and throw some darts and play some pool and shuffleboard and listen to some music and and laugh with their friends, see their friends' smiles. Not only can they not do that, they can't talk about politics and what a buffoon Biden is. It divides us. And we have to now, you know, we have neighbors that we ride in the elevator with. And it would be like, oh, is this okay? Is it all right? Did we share an elevator? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, did, I, I, you know, I didn't know that your politics were like that. Well, you know, you know I was whatever. in a lift the, uh, the other day and I noticed the driver didn't have his mask on while he was waiting for me to get into the car. And I noticed that. And I said, and you know how they always tell you, make sure you get into the car with your mask on. Be prepared. I said, if you're not wearing it, I don't have to wear it. And I took it off. You know, I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, I mean, people are now doing that high sign to see if it's okay to take the mask off. Right. But we shouldn't have to live like this, no. right? And it affects the middle class. It affects the middle class uh, on the cost of goods. Uh, the, so climate is affecting the middle class. COVID certainly affected the middle class. And that's what this is all about. Opening the borders affects the lower income workers in America, which decimates uh, all the good work that... Um, Trump did with black communities and black employment, right? So they may have started back into the job force, but they were part of the job force and they were gaining self-dignity, self-respect, unlike this critical race theory stuff. They were pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, getting back into the workforce and starting their journey up the corporate ladder, up the worker ladder, starting from the bottom all the way to the top. And they were giving themselves a chance to get off the sofa, get away from the streets, get away from the drugs, and show up for work sober, and show up for work on time, and get bring dignity back to their family, their life. And all of that's being decimated, uh, not only by COVID stay-at-home orders that set them straight. They all lost their jobs. 
And these open borders are a double whammy. And so let's take a listen to a couple of different clips. One is about the critical race theory. Here's a black guy talking about critical race theory. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much, that's pretty much all I care to say. It's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids this white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, No mom, no dad in the house. Worked my way through college. Sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You gonna tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? Not one white person ever came to me and said, well, son, you're never gonna be able to get nowhere because you know the black people. But guess what? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against it. Because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't gonna be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't gonna let you get no. Oh, you know you're not gonna be able to do it here because you know, the, white, the, the white man, the white man gonna keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. The last thing I'm gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their, what? Their character, not their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black history. Mother dog will sit there and just pee, must pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. Lastly, we are talking about our kids. We are talking about our children. What's so sickening about me, I love the Discovery Channel. You will see that on the Discovery Channel, animals will put their lives on the line to protect their children from danger. Nobody want to get to the heart of the matter, get to the meat of the matter, get to more of the story. It all comes down to it. The person that's going to be suffering from this, the one that's going to be hurt from this, is the kids. Ten years from now, if this stuff goes on, whose fault is it going to be? Whose fault is it going to be? Who are we going to look back on and blame for this? Because this is the stuff we're talking about right now. This stuff is going on right now. I do this stuff on a daily basis. I'm in the hood. I'm in the communities. I'm out there with folks in their face. I've been doing stuff since I was 18 years old, talking to black folks. And you know what? None of them are buying this nonsense. None of them are. But if you want to implement this into the school system, I guarantee you to the day that I die, I'm going to be the very person right there debunking stuff, tearing stuff down, letting them know they can do exactly what I did and get exactly where I am by putting themselves to work and getting there. And not one white person ever don't keep any of them from getting there. So the CRT stuff, BS. CRT, critical race theory. It is a lot of BS. And, you know, just a quick anecdote about this. Um, I've recently found out that a teacher um, resigned from the, the high school I attended because she was forced to participate in this. And she talked about how uh, kids were coming in and feeling horrible about themselves because they were, you know, being told that. The, the you just wrote an article about that. Well, I wrote, I, wrote a, I wrote a piece on it. It had a few problems because, like, one, it didn't have, like, I couldn't tell what happened from, you know, when I was there to the to the end because I didn't know the ensuing middle and how it got to that point. But the point is, is uh, I think the issues that you that that have happened 
are we we go from a situation where we were were many organizations, many schools like the one I attended were well aware of the history of racism in this country and we're teaching it to our children and we're teaching it to the images, the poor images of uh, black Americans in motion pictures, et cetera, the erased images, they're erased, erasing up their accomplishments. But we now go and take a 360-degree turn where we're suddenly basically shaming people every day and dividing them into groups. This is not healthy. And uh, we were mentioning Governor DeSantis earlier on the show. Last week, Governor DeSantis uh, passed uh, some type of uh, legislative move moment to uh, get, get rid of critical race theory in Florida public schools. Right. So critical race theory. So we were talking about that, and we we're talking about how all of these things attack the middle class. Yes, and as I've totally. said a thousand times, what? What have I said a thousand times after we got back from Italy and I had that Socialism on cannot the, on survive with a vibrant working middle class. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and it's so true um, that that's exactly what they need to do. They need to get rid of... If you have a country that's... that's 50, 60% middle class, strong, working, independent thinking. They could drive. If they want a truck that gas, guzzles gas, they'll buy it. And if someone else wants a Prius that does a lot better with the mileage and says, look how much I've saved this month on my gas, you know, that's good too. Fine. Whatever you want is what you should be able to do. Um, we've regulated enough already. And uh, this government control is what is at stake right here. They're telling you about vaccines. You know, we've been talking for a long time about vaccine passports. And I say it's the it's the 21st century version of segregation. Because when Missouri and Montana and, and Florida ban vaccine passports, guess what? There are other states, like Oregon, like if you go to Portland... You walk into a building, you need a vaccine passport to walk into that building. There was a long time when we were saying they want to control every single move you make. And the reason why Section 230 with the big tech hasn't been resolved yet is because DARPA, part of the Pentagon's spy uh, data gathering uh, and my manipulation uh, psyops uh, team, I mean, DARPA is, is part of a, a data metadata collection system. The NSA is famous for that. Um, and they, they, they actually, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Carly Fiorina was one of the people that adopted this software in the HP servers called Chiliad. And she worked with Trump hater General Hayden, who was the CIA director and NSA director, the first NSA director, worked with General Hayden, who hates Trump. And Carly Fiorina was actually selected, hand-selected by Ted Cruz, believe it or not, to be his VP. Remember when he exploited oh, yeah. Carly Fiorina in the 2016 primary? She to was say, his VP hey, candidate Hey, look, we're going to have like a, a woman day. up here. You've got to vote for me. Remember we were laughing about that because yeah. that literally lasted for about a day and a half? Right, but he was trying to like a last-ditch move to say, oh, I'm going to have a woman on the ticket. Uh, that you know, back in the day when Stormy Daniels and Avenatti were up Trump's butt, right? Mm-hmm. So you know he played a dirty, dirty one there. Um, but Fiorina was in bed with General Hayden, and 
She was, uh, you know where the Chiliad software comes from? Christina Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's oh, wow. sister. And they were starting the Magellan search engine software before Google. And so they were the pioneers of this kind of collection data, the, the Maxwell's. The Maxwell says, Ghislaine, Jeffrey Epstein's madam, her sister, and her father worked for Mossad and was killed on a boat called the Lady Ghislaine. Guess who bought that boat, by the way? Jeffrey Epstein. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Wow. Donald Trump bought that boat. And then you know who he sold it to? He sold it to um, Bin Talal, Obama's best friend. And uh, But that's another story for another day. It's just interesting... You know, because Princess Diana, for example, was sleeping around with Dodi Fayed. Yes. And then they got wrecked in the car and yeah. stuff. Well, Dodi Fayed is the cousin of Jamal Khashoggi. The cousin. Yeah. They share the same grandpa, Muhammad Khashoggi. Yeah. It's a small world, folks. I'm telling you. It's, it gets smaller a, every there's, day. There's a lot of crap going on. In any case, the deep state, the government, the globalists, they want to control populations. They, they'll start a war in Syria just to get the refugees to work for slave labor and fill up their gig economies. And guess who sits on the board of these gig economies? People like Valerie Jarrett. She's on the board of what? Lyft? Lyft. So if Valerie Jarrett's on the board of Lyft, wonder why that is. I wonder why they put Hunter on the board of Burisma. Same reason. Hunter was on the board of Burisma for what reason? To basically block investigations going into Burisma, right? So that the kickbacks and the $80,000 a month paychecks for doing nothing work. My dad is Vice President Joe Biden. You know, that kind of thing. It's protection money. Now he's an artist. (laughs) So Hunter Biden's an artist selling his stupid drawings that he doesn't know how to do for $500,000 a piece. And, uh, you know, and you some, know there are crazy people that will buy and he, them. And he wrote a book and got a huge advance deal. So now they're doing it legit, right? They're getting all this money through book deals and artwork and anything else you could drum up, you know? And they're not even skilled at what they do. They probably didn't even write the book. Someone else wrote the book, but they got paid on the Biden name. And again, Biden sat on Burisma just to block Victor Shokin's investigation. And we heard Joe Biden get involved. The big guy gets 10%, right? We know what's going on. Yeah, it was so funny when Trump said, was but the debating Biden, he says, you're the big man, Joe, yeah, right? Yeah, you're the big guy. So, you know, Valerie Jarrett, Obama's girl, right, uh, is basically on the board of Lyft. And what do they do? Every single person that picks me up in a Lyft, where are you from? I'm from, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm from Nigeria. I'm from wherever. They're always from some, you know, how did you get here? Half the time they got through a refugee program in the UN or someplace like that. And the point is, is that a lot of this stuff is going on. And it's part of the, so it's, a, it's, a, it's like a pipeline to get the people in and to get them on their feet to get them to be voting, to get them to fill the slave labor markets. And that's what's happening with these globalists. They control everything. And we were talking about vaccine passports. And I, like I said, it's just, it's just a way to separate us, segregate. It's a way to shame us. It's a whole thing. The NFL wants to get involved and say, if you have a vaccine passport, 
you could get the 50-yard line tickets. The 50-yard line is reserved for vaccine passport people. Oh, but you people without the vaccine, we're not going to discriminate, but you can go to the end zone. You could look at that pole all day, but you still pay your rate, right? I mean, it's that kind of thing that's going to start happening. So over in Europe, Israel already adopted the vaccine passport, so it's a real thing. And this is what we're fighting against. We're fighting against the corporate corporate adoption of vaccine passports because as soon as corporations feel like they have enough leverage to bully you up and down the street, they will. Because they did this. We already saw how woke they are with this Marxist group called Black Lives Matter, a bunch of retards. And I'm just so sick and tired of these groups being paid by the the federal government to put their brand, their flag on our streets and in our plazas and on the flagpoles of every embassy in the State Department. For crying out loud, what the heck has happened to our government? And we're not far different than the Elizabeth, uh, the Elizabeth, the uh, European Parliament. European Parliament said this about their vaccine passports that they just rolled out. And here we go. Before Easter, we promised to the Europeans that we will do everything possible so that they can gain back um, some normality when uh, planning for their uh, well-deserved summer holidays. So on Monday, the European Parliament and the European Council signed the regulation for... Okay, so that's coming in a little low. I don't know why that is. Let's see. I'm going to try to get this sound right. I don't know what the heck is going on. All right. Probably not going to be able to get this, but we'll see. to the Europeans that we will do everything possible so that they can gain back um, some normality when uh, planning for their uh, well-deserved summer holidays. So on Monday, the European Parliament and the European Council signed the regulation for the EU Digital COVID Certificate. It is applicable from the 1st of July on, but if you want to as a member state, you can sign up early voluntarily. And that's what Belgium did. Belgium allows, as of today, um, to uh, travel with a certificate, and they issue these certificates. And here is mine. So everyone who is fully vaccinated or tested negative or has recovered from COVID can get one. And uh, we have right now 15 member states that have already signed up. And from the 1st of July, all 27 member states have to apply these EU digital certificates for the COVID. I am planning now to start my tour through 27 member states for the next generation EU, our um, recovery and resilient plan. And I'm very curious to test and to see how this certificate will work. All right, so she's holding up a phone too, right? And she's holding up this phone. And it's got a big, huge QR code on it, yeah. you know, like a barcode. Right, right. But it's a QR code, a square little thing. And can you imagine, 
you know, going through checkpoints. And these, these, these miserable human beings, I mean, these people stand up there with their red carpet and their fancy jewelry. Oh, my God. I'm just so sick and tired of these elitists dictating the terms of how people should live. And, you know, how much did that cost? And who financed it? Of course, the taxpayers financed it. The people that are hard at work are paying for this. Do they agree with it? No. Yeah. And this is not collective democracy. This is this is highway robbery. You know the the you know the Affordable Care Act was. Well, let's go back. Remember what Obama said to Joe the plumber. We're, well, you're taking you know you're spreading you're taking money out of my pocket and giving it to so and so. Well, we're going to spread it around a little bit. Is yeah. what Obama said. That sounds like socialism spreading yeah. it around. And sooner or long, Margaret Thatcher said, sooner or long the problem with socialism. Sooner or long, you run out of other people's money. Well, the thing is, is that they have us paying for Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood gets like five hundred million dollars a year or something, and and it comes from the general public's fund. Yeah. Like the federal government's fund that we pay. Although, you and I pay. Although but we they disagree do have with private them. donations as well. Well, they do, but that, that's neither here nor there. Right. The fact is you're paying a tax dollar that's going directly into the pocket of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. That's not right. No, it's not right. And the same thing is true with the Black Lives Matter. Who stitched that flag up and put that Marxist flag up on the top of an embassy? And who's paying for these critical race theory books? And so on and so forth. How about the teachers' unions? They donate 100% of their donations go to liberal candidates, Democrats. And these teachers' unions are the ones dictating the terms to the CDC, and they're dictating the terms to critical race theory. And these elites in Brussels are basically controlling you know, Europe, but we, they want to do it here. And again, I talk about that 70-30 rule because corporate adoption of public policy is absolutely a requirement for public policy to work. It's a simple, you'd learn this in any public administration uh, graduate class on how you go about getting public policy rolled out. You need cooperative partners from the private sector, from corporate, and it turns out that the corporate sector the private sector is usually multinational corporations. They're the ones with the big enough muscle. And not only that, but they're going to do it on a global scale because where, one, where, where we go one, we go all in terms of globalists is going to be, you know, when we do something, we don't want to be isolated on an island. We want everybody to do it. And everybody sort of follows through with the same thing. And so that's the, that's the big problem there. Um, is that what what they're doing is going to impact what we're doing. Somebody spent weeks, if not months, to develop that app. Yeah. That didn't just happen over the weekend. So this has been rolled out. And wonder what they're doing in our country behind our noses, under our noses, behind our backs, spending our money. And again, I'm telling you folks, we got to get to a point where we got to hold these representatives accountable. And we gotta basically withhold our money until we get served properly. And we're not being served properly. 
and we can't run for office because the elections are rigged. Boy, we found ourselves in a fix where we've paid for a bunch of monsters to do these things. You know, um, I want to get to the last story before we head out of town, and that is um, Dr. Fauci basically said that he remembers uh, he remembers the uh, meeting that he had with Farrar. So basically, Hans Manke says, I suggested we bring together a multidisciplinary team. Now, that's what Fauci, Fauci said. So he suggested we bring together a multidisciplinary team. Fauci finally admits in this USA Today uh, article, he was the one who initiated the secret February 1st teleconference that turned out to be the launch of the natural origins hoax. So why did Fauci use Farrar to set it up? Why Farrar? And that's the question. Um, and that's an interesting uh, development there. So Fauci's in the, in the origins of all of the cover-up. Yeah. And he's been lying to the American people. And, you know, why did Pence elect to use him? You know, why was Pence doing that? This was the COVID task force team under Trump. And Pence hired this guy, Deborah Burks, Redfield. Well, these people are all at the top of these institutions. But little did they know that during Trump's transition, Fauci went about reactivating gain-of-function research. It's almost like this, this uh, COVID was predetermined. It was, pre, it was premeditated. Uh, it was a premeditated attack. And for what reason? Did it have a lot more to do with rigging elections? Did it have to do with uh, taking uh, down Trump? At the same time, they were waging a coup against the Trump administration. Just ask Mark Zaid, the whistleblower, Eric Ciaramella's attorney, who tweeted that at the time. So, you know, it's really in the beginning of the administration. At the same time, they're greenlighting gain-of-function research. There's one other thing I want to get to before we leave, and that is um, Colorado St- Secretary of State, uh, this Secretary Jenna Griswold, basically said frauds have no place in Colorado. Democrat Colorado, uh, basically Jenna Griswold, Secretary of State, issues emergency rules prohibiting election audits. And I said, basically, ever since Colorado did a uh, basically a universal mail-in v- mm-hmm. voting yeah. system, they've gone completely blue. Yeah. And uh, it, they, they also do early voting, so they could vote any, like for a month, and they can vote by mail. Yeah. And ever since they did that, the state became blue. Yeah. And they have a lot of Hispanics, they have a lot of illegals in their state. Yeah. And I'm saying to you, I believe this is total fraud. This whole thing, we gotta get back to the basics. Uh, we gotta get back to uh, election integrity. And that's one of the planks that we have and one of the events coming up over at buglecall.org and magapack.org. So stay tuned for some developments over there. Uh, and if you'd like to make a donation, visit buglecall.org 
or magapack.org and make a small donation. It's it's very helpful for us to operate and do what we're doing. Um, we have to buy software and all kinds of stuff. But no, none of us are taking salaries, by the way. So that's the other thing. But we're working really, really hard. And with that, um, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcasts. Uh, and my, by that, and with that, my name's Scott Adams. My ma- name is Leonor Corvetta. It certainly is. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> and uh, we'll see everybody next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. A little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to their name.